Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Using Rocket Pro TPO is like managing a team of all-stars. Our powerhouse squad approaches underwriters, complete document reviews, and initial underwrites in just one day. With our industry-leading mortgage insurance and with a wide variety of products to use, your mortgage game will have zero weaknesses, helping you and your clients win more closings against today's tough competition. Rocket Pro TPO compete at the highest level. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chick in Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I am delighted today to introduce our two guests. Now, you know, it's really funny on our podcast. We've done a couple things. Oh, by the way, we just celebrated eight years five days ago. We're recording this on January 5th, 2022, and we just celebrated eight years of this podcast on the first. And in that time, we've done a mastermind. I have interviewed two people on two separate screens, and now I'm interviewing two people on one screen. So it is a delight to have Dave and Pam Jones with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks. We're happy to be here. We have some history and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about it. But I first want to take this opportunity to just introduce the two of you. Obviously, they're married so that everybody knows it's not a brother-sister situation. They are married. And Pam's been a real estate agent since 1983, which is the year I got into mortgage lending as well. And Dave was in the mortgage business for 14 years. And then in 2009, he became a real estate agent and joined and hopped onto Pam's team. So I love that story because that's exactly what happened with my husband and I as well. She's an associate broker in Northern Virginia. And I imagine, Dave, you're also a broker too, or real estate agent as well. And we have history because we're in the same market and have worked together in the past in, in a variety of situations and capacities. So I'm really excited to have you here because I want to talk about quite a few things. You know, as we put this podcast out the first quarter of 2022, there are a lot of speculation about what's going to be happening in the marketplace. And Mm -hmm. so I want to just step back a little bit and go back to 2019, because, you know, I know in 2019, a lot of people, real estate and loan officers alike, were saying, should I be in this business? Should I stay in this business? You know, there's the word that you and I just talked about in the green room. I dislike the word low inventory because we have homes. They're just not all on the market. 
though we had this low inventory environment, you know, there weren't a lot of loans happening. A lot of refis weren't happening for loan officers, those that, you know, hang their hat on that. People were just saying, you know, should I stay in the business? And then boom, COVID came. And then everybody's super busy and everyone's saying, I had the best year, except the market gave it to you. I've talked about that on this podcast before. And for those that had great systems and had been around for a while, they exponentially did better, which is good. For those that didn't have those systems, they struggled because they were so busy. I don't know what to do. Well, then 2021 comes around and everyone says, well, what's going to happen? Well, thank God rates stayed low. At least we got half the year of some good market um, penetration, you know, as far as properties, but there's a shift. There's a shift happening right now and I cannot get my finger quite on it. Not to say that I don't have some opinions about it, but I'd like to hear from you. What do you think 2022 is going to bring us with inflation that we see now, how that's going to impact values, how that's going to impact people, you know, and their choices. Rates might go up a little bit, but we're so spoiled. We've been spoiled for years. Um, so oh, what yeah. Are some of the, yeah, what are the, some of the thoughts that you're seeing? And, and I want to start with you, Dave, if you don't mind, because I know that you were primarily with the buy side and Pam right. does primarily the listing. So let's talk about the buyers first and then let's go to the sellers. Well, we're very bullish on the year. It's already started off very, very strong. Your dirty words, low inventory. I think there are more people who are going to take advantage of the market and put their homes on the market. We're already seeing multiple offers again. We're seeing waving of escrows and it's the fifth of the year. And so that's already happening. The other interesting thing is a lot of the people who weren't able to buy last year because of the competition and so on and so forth and may have rented are now in an opportunity to buy and they want to try it again. They didn't have an opportunity last time. First time homebuyers are going to play a big role. They kind of got forced out of the market because of investors and cash deals and those kinds of things. They're going to come back strong. There are people who, through all of this, decided they don't want home maintenance anymore. And so maybe they're going to downsize or they're going to change the way they're doing this. There are also are people who were quarantined with people who, if they have to be quarantined again, these aren't the people they want to live with anymore. Right. And, right. and so there's a market there for people. There are so many opportunities. And even if interest rates go up a little bit, I mean, we've been hearing about this for six or seven years and right. it's the old Peter and the wolf thing. But, you know, half percent or a percent is going to have very little effect on the market. I want a quick little follow-up question to that, and then we'll go over to you, Pam. You know, how are you guiding your clients from the buy side in two areas? One is, well, let's talk about appraisals. We'll go ahead and talk about appraisals, the appraisal gap, right? You know, the I'll waive an appraisal or I'll waive an appraisal contingency, or I'll pay 50,000 over that, whatever the appraised value is. So I want to talk about that piece of it, but I also want to talk about how you're guiding your clients who are saying, you know, I want to sell, I want to buy, but I don't know if I have it in me to fight through 17 offers or, you know, what if I can't find a house if I'm selling? And I know that'll go to you, Pam, just a moment, but how are you guiding your buy side clients in those two categories? Well, the first thing is every buyer is not the same. I mean, some people are more qualified than others. If you have the ability to come to, to closing with additional funds to offset that gap in, in the appraised value, you're going to make that money up on the next sale and the sale after that and the sale after that. I mean, it's not that prices aren't going to level off all of a sudden. The other thing is if you're putting down a fair amount of money, people think that you have to put the whole $50,000 down difference. And in many cases, right. it's a lot less than that. 
the other thing is that a lot of the lenders are now, if you put down enough money, they're waiving the appraisal requirements. So even if it's twenty-five or thirty or forty thousand dollars more, in some instances, there's no requirement of the lender to make up that difference. So there just are a lot of options. You just have to be creative and talk to them and ask questions so that you figure out what their real goal is. Awesome. Thank you. And then how are you guiding people as far as the multiple offer piece of this? Well, there are a few things. I never, ever thought we would have an experience where people were buying houses sight unseen. I'm from a military background, an army brat, and it was not unusual that when you got transferred every two or three years that you might have to rent sight unseen. But the idea of buying it is, I mean, there are ways that protections that a buyer still has. But the other thing is that being flexible, allowing the sellers to have rent backs, it makes your contract stronger. Having home inspections either in advance or you know the whole idea of a void-only home inspection where you either, after the home inspection, take the house the way it is or you don't. Sellers don't want the long laundry list of items anymore. <laughs> we already talked about appraisals. Financing used to be, as we well know, it used to be 30 to 60 days to get a loan. And now in many cases, it can be done in a week. Yeah. And so faster turn times also are really important yeah. things that are important to the seller. Yeah. And I think you're bringing up a good point as we move into conversation with Pam is that I've always been of the opinion, it's not about the price. And I've sold plenty of homes. I'm a real estate investor. I bought many homes sight unseen. In fact, got to go drive to Indiana to look at one I bought for $9,400 from <laughs> <Rosen> here. <laughs> And, you know, so we can get back on the market and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've always been in the opinion, it's not about the price. A lot of times it's about the terms that that person is needing. You know, we, and you, you all know, and I think even my listeners know, you know, we were going to put our house on the market and then I almost lost my husband in May, you know, and we had all this criteria that would need to be, we'd have to find the perfect buyer in order to sell this house, even in a hot market. But will my buyers do this and this? Because these are our requirements now. So right, right. we're willing to sacrifice price to get the circumstances. So let's talk about that for you then, Pam. What are you seeing in, it's obviously still a seller's market, but what are you seeing as some of the deliverables that buyers, you know, as the loan officers are listening to this and real estate agents are listening, they mm-hmm. can be advising their clients as to, some of the criteria that the sellers are looking for? Well, just to go back to the question that you thought you asked Dave about how do we balance timing? Very often, we are asking our buyers to see if they can qualify without selling their properties. You know, the sellers, if they're buying to qualify without selling and also writing in 60-day rent back contingencies, you know, sellers are looking for little to no repairs and we price accordingly. Obviously, you know, we've had homes that escalated a large amount because we priced it really low because it was in horrible condition, but people were willing to bid each other, bid against other folks. And then those that we've priced at the top, what we thought was the top of the market at the time, and it still has escalated over the last two years to a higher price. So my job is just to make it as stress-free as possible. So to find out what the motivation is, what their timing is, helping them actually help people get signed up with me far in advance of placing their homes on the market. So then we have time to put the house in condition or not and help them with their destination needs or not. If they're moving out of the area, place them a great referral with an agent where they plan to move. If it's one of those people don't want to live together any longer, help them with how do you go through this process without 
creating enemies. So it really is about determining, you know, what their real needs are, what their motivation is, and then plan accordingly around that. You guys have brought this up a couple of times. Are you seeing more and more divorce situations Mm -hmm. than you have in the past? Yes. And we're also working with people who are advisors to folks who are planning divorce, who say my pipeline is full. There will be homes that will be coming on the market and I'd like to refer you to them. Yeah. Well, and the reason I was asking you that is I was a certified divorce lending professional, a CDLP, Mm -hmm. and um, I actually coach CDLPs right now. I'm I'm part of that whole process (laughs) of coaching. And there is a certification for real estate agents as well. I think that it's such a great niche. It's such a great market. And especially when you're coming from a servant heart in that, it's Mm -hmm. it's even better, regardless Mm -hmm. of having been divorced or not, because I've never been, but it's just more of the servant heart of seeing people make these decisions in an emotional state and having a third party being able to see their ears for them. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. So you mentioned something about accurate pricing. You know, this is something I have addressed for years and years with real estate agents that I've been coaching, which is, are you a listing agent or are you a selling agent? Because there's a difference Mm -hmm. (laughs) between being someone who lists a bunch of homes, but Uh never sells anything. Your specific style, how do you help maneuver your sellers through the understanding of balancing greed and fear, that Mm -hmm. that pendulum of greed and fear? Right, Um, right of saying, hey, look, well, my neighbor sold it, so I should be able to, and I'm going to get top dollar. How do you balance that? How do you guide them through that? Part of that is just asking questions. And if it truly is a greed situation, then set the expectations that buyers are responding when they see something that is a real value in the market. And that does a better job of bidding up pricing than when you start at the very top and wait for that one needle in a haystack buyer to come and make you whatever offer they're going to make. So we push the market, the house value up by appealing to a broader base of buyers. And that in today's market is really what is driving prices upward is that broad base of buyers compared to the very small uh, group of sellers. And also sometimes I decide not to work with them if greed is their only motivation. That was going to be my next question. How many do you say no to? Because, you know, right. I think this is something regardless of the scale of someone's practice, you know, when someone's first in the business, mm-hmm. they want everything, mortgage mm-hmm. or real estate. And as you get further down the road, you're more apt to say, you know, I don't need to work with everybody. But it's, so speak to the person who's a brand new real estate agent who says, no, 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 I hear you. You can say no, but I need to say yes. What does that do to their credibility, their reputation, their lives, their career? when they start that way from the very beginning? Right. Well, it makes it a painful experience and one that they may decide not to repeat. You know, the average new licensee is out of the business within 18 months, the average within 18 months. Not only does it put you in a negative mental state, keep putting up with the constant questions, problems, phone calls, emails, takes away time from developing business with people who will do what you advise them to do rather than taking all of your time listening to their complaints. So you just think about freeing yourself up for other opportunities when you can let someone like that go. So the term I use for that is work with people that complement, not complicate you and your practice. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I I have cancellation clause in my listing agreement that goes both ways. The seller can give me two days notice. I can give them two days notice. 
And I love that you said that too, because I want to switch into some relationship questions, Mm -hmm. you know, as it relates to loan officers and other Mm -hmm. referral partners that you have. But before I do, uh, one of the things that I know that you all want to give away is a managing expectations chart. I don't want to leave that topic because you are talking about managing expectations. So we'll make sure that we have a link or your email in the show notes so that people can get the managing expectations chart that you use in your listing side or both sides. Is it both sides? It's the listing side. We have a different chart for the uh, buyer process. Actually, we have an entire booklet that has managing expectations, frequently asked questions and the process. I can offer the entire thing. That's great. That's wonderful. So let's go into talking about some relationships and things like that. You just mentioned something in your listing agreement. I loved hearing this because I preach this constantly with my coaching clients. And that is that whenever we're meeting, we have all of us, all of us have this tendency, at least in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. We have this tendency that says, oh, goody, I'm having a meeting with somebody, whether it's a referral partner or whether it's a client, and we're just so excited. And so virtually what's happening is that we're leaning into, we're coming in as these salespeople, right? We're leaning into this relationship and we're going to show up and throw up. Right? We're going to give all the information <laughs> that we have. And there won't be a reason to show up again because I don't really know what else to talk about. I already said everything because I couldn't shut right. up. And I'm talking really fast on this to make, prove a point, right? So we come in and we, we have this tendency to just be like on the table, leaning over. Do you want to work with me? Do you want to work with me? Mm-hmm. We forget, And we literally are driving there and going, oh, I hope they like me. I hope they really, really <laughs> like me. It's like the Sally Field thing, right? They like sure. me. They really, really like me. But we fail to remember that we need to like them. And so to create a neutral relationship, a neutral meeting, I've always kind of set up expectations saying, here's what's going to happen in this meeting. Not like that, but hey, Mm -hmm. thanks so much for meeting. You know, I know there could be three outcomes in our meeting today. One is always alternative first. One is you decide that you don't want to work with me and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think actually saying that to someone Uh (laughs) allows for us to say, it's okay if we get rejected. Right. Right, right, So it's okay. You may say no, and that's perfectly fine. You Mm -hmm. may say yes, and that would Mm -hmm. be perfectly fine as well. However, the third option is that I may decide that this is not a good fit for me. And it creates neutrality because now instead of me leaning over and hovering, they're going the other way and saying, Oh, well, now I have to prove myself too. I love that you're doing this in the listings, but tell us about the relationships that you've experienced and are currently experiencing all of the referral partners as people are listening to this and they're saying, how do I have long lasting, deep, rich relationships with people that I'm working with as a lender and as a real estate agent? How do I develop these lifelong relationships? Where am I going wrong in what I'm doing that I don't have them? I believe the first thing is showing true interest in them and asking questions about what's important to them. There is a tendency, particularly when you're first, you're brand new in the business to sit down and spend the first 30 minutes telling them about how great you are and how great your company is and all of the things that you can do, but you haven't talked to them about what they need or what they want, or even more importantly, what their expectations are. And so I'll give you an example. I had a customer who they had recently got married for the second time and they had looked at over 50 houses with another realtor and 50 houses. Oh my and they had, before they rented, they agreed to meet with me and I asked them questions for about 45 minutes and found common ground because even though they just gotten married, they agreed on very little. And so we found common ground. I showed them two houses and they actually wrote on both houses and got one. 
there was no 50 houses. It was right. just so finding was out. The point in well, that, I mean, because that's a huge gap. I mean, those that are listening are saying, wait a minute, hold on. They were looking at 50. How did you show them two? Yes, you questioned them for 45 minutes, but what's the secret sauce there? In this particular case, the husband kept saying, anything she wants, that'll be perfectly okay with me. I don't care. I just want her happy. And while that's a great thing to say, particularly when you're a newlywed, I said, well, so a garage isn't important? Oh, got to have a garage. A yeah. man cave? Oh, got to have a man cave. Got to have my guys over. Well, all of a sudden, if I'd sold him a house that just was based on hers, I might have gotten that house back as a listing real fast because that relationship wouldn't have lasted. Right. Uh, whereas it, finding out from him and narrowing it down, and the wife is actually pleased because she didn't want a house that was just what she wanted. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't asked questions. So he was basically playing, what did they call it? Switzerland, right? He was being Switzerland. He was just saying yeah, whatever exactly. she wants is fine. And uh-huh. it's so frustrating. Actually, I love my daughter-in-law, but she's Switzerland. My husband calls her Switzerland all the time. Do you want cookies or do you want cake? Whatever you want. And he's like, oh, Switzerland, <laughs> stop it. Right? <laughs> all the time he's calling her that. And so now I can't even answer a question going, oh, whatever, because he will call me that. So but thanks for sharing that. You know, kudos to you. That's so wonderful that you have the ability to seek that out really quickly. And, you know, I think that we say all the time, ask questions, probing questions, open-ended questions, closed-end questions. But what do you think it is that people don't actually sit down and do that? Why is that? Why do people have the tendency to say, okay, I'm going to go in and ask all these questions and then it just gets thrown away? Is it nerves? Is it fear? They don't practice this outside of sitting in front of a client. And at that point, it is nerves and fear. We practice our scripts. We talk with people. We have role play partners of different personality styles, different languages, you know, folks that have a French accent or Hispanic accent or whatever. So we can hear, we listen more and more with people that we don't aren't similar to in our practice situations, which makes it much easier to listen to the people that we don't know across the table. And really knowing what our questions are, we have the questions ingrained. We can really listen to the answers. That's what that's about. So it helps us just take great notes and really be able to hone in on what's important. As you all know, you know, I did a lot of CE classes. One of the classes was real estate sales mastery and was the first time that many real estate agents were actually in a sales class, a true sales class. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, you know, right. sell me this pen, sell me that, you know, features and images <laughs> and benefits. And they go, oh, I'm so nervous. And I remember one time, and this is so sad. She was the president of the Blue Ridge Association of Realtors at the time. She was in this class. And I said, uh, you know, what makes you different? Why should I choose you as a real estate agent? And she said, I'm because I'm going to put your house on the internet and I'm going to make some flyers. And I about died. I mean, because this was Mm -hmm. not when the internet was new. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was not too long. Right. So we started going to the real estate sales master and we have role playing, lots Mm -hmm. and lots of role playing. And mm-hmm. they all got their panties in a wad. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, it's better to practice with us than it is to practice on your client. Absolutely. Right. Exactly what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times Brian and I would drive in because, you know, we live way out in the country and we would drive into mm-hmm. our office, you know, further in town and we would use that time to role play. Right. What did you get yesterday that tripped you up? What mm-hmm. happened yesterday? An objection that you got yesterday that tripped you up and then we work on it together, you know, and I love that you guys doing that. So let's talk about your relationship then. Husband and wife team working together. You know, I had the beauty of being able to work with my husband for 17 years, but you know, they weren't all great days. There were days I was not a fan because we are different personalities, but what keeps this ticking? 
I think part of it is that we focus on different things. I focus on working with sellers. He focuses on working with buyers. We've both gotten really great at that. Now we're moving him more into the listing side, but we've practiced everything so much that he is very confident to be able to do that. Part of it is every now and then we know how to yell at each other without actually yelling. (laughs) You know, I think we really truly care about each other. Um, Have a good time together, no matter what we're doing for the most part. And we all see that in the community. You know, you guys are always together and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's how it used to be with Mm -hmm. us too. And of course it's not, Mm -hmm. but not now, but you know, it's interesting because when you work with a family member or spouse, it's so much easier. My mom had this quote, you know, we flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. And right. it's so easy to just fly off the handle on a spouse or a sister mm-hmm. or brother, uncle, whatever, you know, in these relationships. And you would never, ever mm-hmm. do that with right. someone else on your team. And if you did, you wouldn't have a team. No. <laughs> <They'd be wrong. laughs> Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. What advice do you give to someone who is contemplating working with a family member and saying, oh, you know, I don't want to work with them. And why would you say that it is a positive thing to work with a family member? Okay. The positive thing is that for years I focused on listings and I hired buyer's agents. I had people that I would refer buyers to. They would refer sellers. It worked out fine, but all that money went into someone else's bank account. And with 14 years of mortgage experience, there is no one who can do a better buyer interview than Dave Jones. Mm -hmm. No one. And so it just, when he was ready to make the move out of the mortgage business, it made sense for him to join the team just on the money side. The funny thing is that we met when we both worked for Montgomery Ward. Oh my God, way back. (laughs) Way back, a long time ago. Gosh, I haven't had a reward in a long time. Oh, they went out of business a long time ago. Yeah, I remember. I can't take him back. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have a satisfaction guaranteed or your money back now. (laughs) But when we both worked at Wards, we were really happy working together. I got into the real estate business. He came a year later. For about three and a half years, we were really happy working together. He went off to work for another electrical contracting company. We had tough times because we were thinking different things and just not in that comfortable relationship. So once we were both back in the real estate side, it has worked really well. I think you probably experienced some of this in your 17 years with Brian, just understanding the pressures and understanding all of the things that are involved in the job and dealing with the public allows you to empathize a little bit differently than, oh, you're just complaining. (laughs) <laughs> right. You're, oh, you're working again. Oh, why do you have to take the phone call? Right. So there's a right, reality. Right. Yeah. How do you separate yourselves as a unit from business and become husband and wife? Are That's you doing that by choice? Are you making sure you do it? <laughs> or just as it happens when it happens, but you know, how do you disconnect both of you unplug at the same time and become a husband and wife? We work Monday through Friday at generating business. And on the weekends, if there is someone who is willing to sign something, we will work on the weekends, but only if it is a very motivated client and only if it is time restricted. Actually, we take most Sundays off. So we do have Sunday and we do family things on Sunday. But the other thing we do is we go on cruises. And we don't buy the internet package and we don't use our phones. So we are not in touch with people. And we have great staff who can back us up and a great broker who covers if there's an issue. 
Well, there was one thing I wanted to say about this too. One of the things that we loved about working together, and really we had our son on our team for years, and then you know, now he's mm-hmm. a multi multi millionaire. <laughs> you know, didn't have our daughter. She didn't want to get in the quicksand, but then she came in the quicksand, and so now she's on the team. Although she's kind of leading the team, which is great. And it's kind of neat. But one of the things that we found about working with family is there's a level of an accountability and integrity that you can't always find with a team. Now, I'm not saying a team doesn't have it, but Mm -hmm. for us, it just goes without saying. So I want to transition just for a moment as we finish our time together into how you created a team. Because you just mentioned, you know, we have a great team that watches out for us. You know, we created this beautiful foundation that allows us to go be ourselves. In the absence of having someone who's a family member and you're growing a team of people that you want to feel like family, what are some Mm -hmm. of the tips that you could give people in talent searching, onboarding, Mm -hmm. systems, communication, management, accountability? I'm not saying all of those that you need to talk about, but what are some of the things that you think make your team special, just magical? Actually, our team is the two of us and a really incredible assistant who is a licensed agent and whose top priority is customer service. So she and I share our email and all communications. She is aware of all of the phone calls, all of the emails, everything that's going on in a transaction. And I take the lead on most things, but she does all the back-end stuff. Sign, orders, all of that good stuff. But she is spectacular at customer service. In fact, she was our office broker's assistant for three years saw that agents were making a lot of money. She ought to be able to get a real estate license and do that as well. Failed miserably. And then before she left real estate, I asked her to come be a team member. And I had done that with previous assistant who stayed with us for 14 years before she retired. Looking at for a real estate professional, great customer service and work ethic. Somebody that shows up every day. The other thing I would say is compensating them for their value. We're in mastermind groups where the agents are forever looking for new assistants. They come on board, they last six months, then you have to start the process over of retraining them. And it's just a nightmare. And, you know, had they spent a little more and gotten a different skill set, then it pays for itself many times over by not having to constantly retrain people. And then there's a trust that allows us to go in that cruise Mm -hmm. and have a life beyond real estate. I call it customer experience, but customer experience is everything. Mm Because you can't train that. That's just innate. You can always train Mm -hmm. on the mechanics of real estate, the mechanics of lending. You can always train on that. To what level were you looking for? I mean, this person happened to be a licensed agent, but to what level were you looking for someone who already had experience in the business as opposed to someone who just comes in and knows how to... (laughs) I I always laugh about... Dave, we all remember this because remember, my husband always called her Sunshine, you know, the elder woman. Yeah, Yeah, I can't think of her name. It starts with an M and she was a dancer. And she was the receptionist at the Long and Foster and Rustin. And regardless of whether or not she knew anything, she just, the way that she treated people, the way you felt, Mm -hmm. it was 80% of the job. So to what level do you recommend that people find someone who has some experience versus no experience when it comes to supporting you? Some real estate experience is really important just to understand the insanity of schedule and how our clients have issues on their time. You know, it's about them, not us. And to be able to act and react on that without feeling like they're being pulled in many directions. That's one thing. And the other one is just, she ends every phone call with just tell me what you need. 
please call and just tell me what you need. If there's anything you think of, I'm here for you with us and with all of our clients. She was a military wife and has worked in many different sales businesses. So all of that sales background is helpful as well, including new home sales. What are her goals in life? That's a great question. She is recently divorced, has two recent college graduates, and her goals are to help them become great citizens and people who know what they want to do and just go after it. And she is enjoying her single life now, just trying to enjoy, meet the people in her neighborhood, enjoy every day, have a good time at that. So eventually goal in life is for her is to be able to retire, but I don't think that's happening for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be some time. And you know, the reason I asked you the question is one of the great things about great leaders is they know what the goals are of the people that work with them. It's mm-hmm. not just about them. It's Mm -hmm. about the people on the team, you know, and helping your people get to the goals that they're achieving too. So I just want to commend you. I'd answer, I was a tripped up question, but you got right through it. So I didn't mean to do it intentionally. Oh, no, no worries. No worries. It's always, (laughs) you know, you're right. It's good to be not just interested in your customer and clients needs, but the people who you know and work with and love and want to support. They're your number one client, right? Mm -hmm. You you know, the rest just kind of goes downhill. Um, Okay. So the last question I want to ask you and just have you leave us with this is what advice do you have for loan officers who are pursuing relationships with real estate agents, whether they're brand new, whether they're tenured, it doesn't matter. And maybe the way I should direct that question is what are the mistakes that loan officers make when pursuing relationships with realtors? I don't think you can have a true relationship with people if you're only competing on price. There's so much more to the mortgage business than a commodity. And find a niche, find something that your company offers that everybody else, it's not a Fannie or a Freddie or an FHA, but it's something unique because today they may just start with that. But at some point, their existing loan officer may retire or make a bad mistake or not be available. And now all of a sudden the door is open for you to do a little more and a little more. And all of a sudden you're the primary. We have a primary, but several people in the Loudoun marketplace that do things like farms and properties that don't fit into the box that most loan officers are working. And so build those relationships, talk with agents and, and say, you know, even if this is not your niche, when you run across someone who needs this help, here I am and here's how I can help. Yeah. Well, we always say, right, there's riches and niches, niche to grow rich. That's right. And I can't tell you how many times I've told loan officers, and I would say this to realtors too, if you're trying to sell everything to everybody, you're selling nothing to no one. You have to have some kind of expertise so that people remember the expertise. And, you know, and I think that people just shy away from it because it well, if I say that, then the only thing I'll get is that, well, you're not getting that anyway. It's an opportunity for you to become a really good expert. So that's really pleasant to hear from a real estate agent. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And you know, I want to say thank you so much for being here today and being on the show and giving us your expertise. And so I always leave the show with just some kind of words of wisdom and mantra, a quote. What do you want to leave us with? And I imagine both of you will have something different that you want to leave with us that you want to say specifically to the person who's driving in their car and they're a realtor, they're riding on a bike and they're a loan officer that you want to say to them so that they could take action to improve their practice in their life. Well, the thing that has improved put us into the position we are is working with very strong business coaches. And we work with the Mike Ferry organization. So I would say if there are a lot of people out there, Mike is tough, but he also, it's all about the basics. And so you go back to the basics, 
You make the phone calls, you talk to people, you don't just rely on social media. You have to actually find people, talk with them and build that relationship so you can have that long-term connection with your loan officers, with your real estate agents and with your customers and clients. Beautiful. That's great. Dave, how about you? Repetitious boredom is part of business and it can be a real challenge making calls, doing those kinds of things. And if you can find a way to make a game out of it, the next call you make to a stranger is simply a friend you haven't met yet. And so if you view it from that standpoint, it's a whole lot easier to make those calls. Beautiful. You know, and it's interesting because both of you are talking about lead generation, about client Uh acquisition, you Uh know, and I think that that's something that people are so consumed with the process and all of these are important. I get it. But the bottom line is if you open up a business and you haven't told anybody about the business, you know, I always call it, see the people, tell the story, see the people, tell the stories, Mm -hmm. see the people, Mm -hmm. tell the story, right? See more people, tell more stories. It's all about client acquisition. So I love that both of you led into that particular Thing. So, you know, as we start 2022, I think this is a very, very good topic for everyone to know about is it? it's time to dig into your database, stop neglecting them and start nurturing mm-hmm. them and Absolutely. see the people tell the story and ask mm-hmm. for other people to see so you can tell further stories. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this beautiful wisdom. We really appreciate it. And the best way to get in touch with you, if someone wants to get in touch with you is how? Best way is to call or text. My number is 703-587-7440. And I'll make sure that you get Dave or me, whichever one. Okay. Sounds great. And we'll be sure to put your number in the show notes as well. So again, thank you so much. And I want to tell everybody again, thank you. You know, if this was your first time watching, welcome to the community. If you've been listening for quite some time, thank you so much for your patronage. I appreciate this eight years of celebration that we've been having here. I know knows how long it's going to go, right? (laughs) I mean, podcasting, it's crazy. But, you know, I appreciate every one of you who are listening and that you shared other people. And I always appreciate your feedback. So thank you so much for those of you that, you know, are texting me or instant messaging me and saying, oh my gosh, I love that podcast. Let me know know what is important to you. And if you have questions about coaching with me and being part of my community, please text lending to 26786. Again, that's lending to 26786. And last but not least, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can watch us talking all the time. And we have great information there as well. So until next time, I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.